Welcome back to today's episode. You guys, I have Allison on with me. Reignite your inner sparkle and get back to your life. Allison Blod is a registered nutrition therapist and a beauty therapist living in the wilds of Sweden after falling for the charms of a Viking man. Having worked in the health and wellness industry for over 30 years, specializing in menopausal women's health, she now runs her own clinical practice, helping women worldwide manage their negative symptoms of menopause. Her mission is to support her clients with bespoken, bespoke changes to diet, health, and lifestyle so that they can harness their hormones and get their confidence and sparkle back. She believes that all women, no matter what age, deserve to reclaim their health and feel great. Life is too short to suffer from symptoms that hold you back. Every woman has the right to feel and look amazing in midlife. She supports time-poor, busy midlife women who are stressed, depressed, gaining weight, and have lost their confidence, amongst other things. When not at work, she enjoys spending time with her family, cooking, being in the kitchen, and experimenting with new recipe ideas. She is also a keen scuba diver, golfer, hiker, beekeeper, and enjoys the great outdoors. This was an awesome episode, and I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome back to the Thriving Thyroid Podcast, where we choose to become empowered patients and take our health into our own hands. Hi, I'm Shannon Hansen, a Christian entrepreneur, a mom of three, and after dealing with my own health mysteries, I made it my mission to learn everything I could about the thyroid. I soon became certified as a holistic wellness practitioner, a functional nutrition practitioner, and a functional diagnostic practitioner, and so much more. After that, I founded the revolutionary thyroid program, The Hansen Method. As a health professional and a mom, I fully understand the importance of having a fun, simple, and sustainable plan for achieving a responsive thyroid. So I share actionable and practical strategies for developing a responsive thyroid so that the ambitious moms and women can gain freedom from fatigue and lose the thyroid weight once and for all. Each week, I will be here for you. Along with my guest experts, we will be sharing simple and tangible tips that work for not only your thyroid, your hormones, your family, and your mindset so that you can get back to living the life that you envision for yourself. Welcome to the Thriving Thyroid Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Thriving Thyroid Podcast. I am so excited to be talking with Allison Blod. Today, we're gonna be talking about um, perimenopause, menopause, and how that corresponds and relates to your thyroid and everything you need to know about that. So welcome, Allison. Oh, thank you, uh, Shannon. It's it's lovely to be here talking to you today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So just to get the listeners a little bit more familiar with you, tell everybody a little bit about who you are, what you do, and how you got to this point. Yeah. Um, I actually started my, I've, I've been working in the health and wellness industry for over 30 years now, uh, specializing in, in women's health during perimenopause and menopause. Uh, I actually started my um, journey as an esthetician. So working with um, skin um, complaints really and problems and specifically with ladies that were in that perimenopausal time because you can develop lots of things can happen with the skin such as acne and pigmentation. 
Um, and when I started working with these ladies, I saw how they were suffering with so many other symptoms. And that really is what stimulated me to go and study back to university and study to be a nutritional therapist, because I realized it was you can't just treat things from the outside. It has to come from the inside as well. Um, so that's what I did. And, and ever since then, I've had my own um, online um, clinic, uh, treating clients from all over the world, really, with the power of nutrition, uh, lifestyle modifications and, and mindset as well. So helping these women get through this quite difficult time period in their life uh, with more of a holistic, holistic uh, approach. Yeah. So when you were working as an esthetician and you saw a lot of acne, do you feel like that was related to like hormonal imbalances? Because I know I for sure had acne for years um, and later realized for me, I didn't know, like we'll put you on birth control. Okay. We'll do Accutane. Okay. You know, all of these things. And I, cause I didn't know, right. Like I didn't know that the root cause was hormonal stuff. Yeah, it, it, it can. I mean, can, when you go into perimenopause, it can, that imbalance and fluctuation in hormones can trigger uh, acne outbreaks, like uh, in, when you're in your 40s, which is certainly what not what you need when, you know, you think you've got past that when you get to that age. And it, it is, it's the, the hormones, can the imbalance in the hormones can actually trigger the acne uh, to develop. However, it's not just the hormones. It's also down to what you're doing and what you're eating because acne is, is um, inflammation as well mm -hmm. in the body. So, you know, it's really finding out what's causing that as well because if you've got a diet very high in sugar and, you know, you don't eat a very healthy diet, that can really make uh, the acne worse. So it's, it's a combination of the, the hormones and lifestyle factors. But the hormones absolutely a big player in in the development of acne yeah yeah um okay so let's kind of shift gears let's go into like menopause perimenopause so how can the thyroid gland maybe be affected during peri and menopause yeah that that's a great question because it's i just find it so interesting with hormones and you know as we know um estrogen is it's a key hormone is so many different things. And we actually have estrogen receptors all over our body. Um, so when our estrogen levels start during perimenopause, they're more, you know, like a roller coaster. They can be up one month down the next. And then as we go into menopause, they, they decline off um, and become more stable as, as they decline. Um, but what estrogen does, it can, uh, we need estrogen for the production of T3 and T4, which are, are some of our thyroid hormones. And it can, if we haven't got enough estrogen, it can affect the production of these hormones. Um, and as we know, you know, the, these hormones have, a, have an effect on all things, you know, in the body and, and metabolism and, and everything. So it can really, it's like a double effect you know because you've got the effect of the lower estrogen from the perimenopause and, and then on top of that you've got the fact that the thyroid gland maybe isn't producing as many of these hormones because of the lack of estrogen um, and this the, the, what, what is interesting is the symptoms of 
um, hypothyroidism where you're not producing enough uh, thyroid hormone and also hyperthyroidism where you're producing too much are very similar to perimenopausal symptoms. Um, so it can, it can go, you know, you can miss it. You can just think, oh, I'm in perimenopause. You wouldn't necessarily think that there might be an issue with, with the thyroid gland. Um, symptoms like weight gain is, is very common in perimenopause. Um, and also for hypothyroidism, you know, forgetfulness, brain fog, um, you know, being irritated and forgetting things and dry skin and just feeling tired all the time. They're, they're real classic symptoms of uh, perimenopause, but they're, they're also symptoms of hyperthyroidism. So, you know, according to many um, studies, millions of women actually go undiagnosed um, during perimenopause of, of high um, thyroid problems because, you know, we just blame it all on the menopause where it isn't necessarily always that that is the problem. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, I know a lot of my clients actually come and start working with us inside the Hansen method around 40, 45, 50, we have some 60 year olds and it wasn't, most of them didn't know it was their thyroid or they didn't know that they were starting to go through, like they were perimenopause. And so it's kind of interesting for me, that connection where you're right, they have all those classic symptoms and they can kind of fit into two different categories. And we need to be mindful of that. And that's one of the things I, I'm sure you recommend this as well. When you come to me and work with your thyroid, I also want to see what your other hormones are doing inside of your body. Um, you know, working with your doctors or whatever to get your estrogen, testosterone, uh, progesterone tested, cortisol, insulin, you know, all of those different things, because all of those hormones do work together. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Shana. It's, it's, it's crucial to really understand what is going on there um, to really get the whole picture, isn't it? And knowing then where, where to move from there, because, you know, it's the, the thyroid gland is, is such a crucial uh, gland, the hormones that, you know, they affect so many, like estrogen does, so many different parts of the body. So it's really good to get the whole, the whole picture then, then you can you know, move forward from there. So your program sounds, sounds amazing what you're doing. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure working with you, it's kind of, I think we were, I guess we were kind of talking about this before we hit record that there's an importance in the testing, right? Because then we know where to go and how to move forward with a specific client. And the more information we have, the better we can help you and the more we can kind of get to the root cause, the underlying issues of, hey, we need to go balance your hormones first, or we need to address your gut issues, or we need to, you know, whatever, whatever it is. <laughs> um, let's, let's talk about nutrition and some lifestyle modifications, though, that can help support and maybe improve thyroid function during the transition of being perimenopause into postmenopause. Yeah, I mean, it's the, it, as it, I know everybody knows that they shouldn't eat 
processed sugary refined foods but you know it doesn't do you any favors and it certainly doesn't do your your thyroid gland any favors and your overall health so one thing that i would say is really try to eat nutrition dense foods so whole foods so really get rid of all the packaged refined sugary foods um, because they cause amongst other things they cause inflammation in the body um, which can affect the thyroid gland and many other things when you're going into perimenopause and they can make your menopausal symptoms worse and that that's actually research has shown that diets high in sugar make um, hot flushes worse so you know there, there's many things that that sugar does to us that isn't beneficial during perimenopause uh, so yeah, so whole foods, uh, nutrition dense foods, more of what I would say like a Mediterranean style diet, you know, with all your lovely uh, fresh fruit, vegetables, uh, fish, uh, all your healthy fats, like you know, uh, olive oils and avocados, nuts and seeds, you know, basing your, your food intake on that sort of diet, which obviously looks different for, for many sort of people. Uh, selenium is, is a key um, nutrient in thyroid health. Um, so, you know, getting enough uh, selenium and then also zinc is very important. That's, that helps to support the, the thyroid um, gland and thyroid hormone production. Vitamin D as well is, is crucial, um, not only for thyroid health, but also for bone health and, and gut health and everything, which can um, you know, you need a little bit more attention to these areas when you're going into perimenopause. And then your wonderful omega-3 oils, which are anti-inflammatory. They're, they're from like your oily fish um, and, and nuts and seeds, flax seeds and walnuts also have omega-3 in. They're very anti-inflammatory, so they're, they're great for the thyroid gland. B vitamins, like your B12 in particular. Uh, magnesium is great. That's what we need for so many different processes in the body need uh, magnesium. So really get, getting that balance in your diet right. Uh, protein is, is a thing that many uh, women, you know, we don't eat enough protein. And protein is like the building blocks of the body and we need it uh, to really help keep our muscles strong as we get older. Um, because going through perimenopause and when you go into menopause, you can actually have uh, muscle loss so you really need to make sure that you eat enough protein to, to keep keep your muscles in, in good shape. And then calcium for, for bone health. I mean, we're now talking about someone that hasn't got a thyroid problem because there are certain issues with, you know, calcium and other minerals. If you do have a, a thyroid uh, problem because they can interfere with thyroid medication, etc. So, you know, if you have got hyperthyroidism, hyperthyroidism, then obviously you should really get medical advice before you start taking any sort of supplements and things because they, they do can affect the way that the medication uh, works. And water, don't forget water. Water is a crucial thing that we need to, to do. And that's another thing that people always fed up. Of, you know, I'm always saying to my clients, make sure you drink at least eight glasses of water. But many people don't do it. It's something very easy and, and really helps to keep the body hydrated. And, you know, all the bodily functions work better if we're hydrated. But it's, it's just we forget to do it. So they're the, the main things in fibre, making get lots of uh, lovely fibre there to keep your gut 
uh, healthy and, and, and um, get your gut bacteria going, you know, microbiome, which is our gut bacteria, is, is crucial for overall health. And that's actually, it's been studied so much. I think it's fascinating that the research coming out about the microbiome, you know, there's so many connections with brain health and, and you know, inflammation and autoimmune diseases. Uh, we're really starting to learn so much more about that. And, you know, eating things like sauerkraut and kimchi and, you know, kefir and, and all those things that have what we call probiotics in uh, are great for the keeping the gut bacteria happy. Yeah, oh, this is really good advice. And I wrote down a whole bunch of notes. Um, so I wanted to go back to where you talked about sugar and hot flashes. One, I didn't know that sugar made hot flashes worse. But two, I feel like my women who are going through menopause or have been menopausal, like finished going through it, they are, they are like, I crave sugar. Like I just want something sweet after every meal. And, you know, it's like, I can't control myself. So is there some kind of connection there? Do you see that with your women or? Yeah, it's, it's one thing I always say to people that if, if you're going to do two things, if you don't do anything else that I talk about, but if you just do two things for your menopausal health, one is blood sugar balance. And, and the other one is stress management. But going back to your, your question, yes. I mean, estrogen has uh, an effect on our uh, blood sugar levels. Um, so what that means is that when, when our estrogen levels decline, we're not as sensitive to insulin as we were before. Uh, and insulin is, is the hormone that it's like, when we when you eat something sugary like a refined carbohydrate that pushes your blood sugar up with with the energy with the glucose and then your body secretes uh, insulin which is a hormone and insulin is a bit like the key that opens the cell to let the energy go in so so your body can utilize it but what happens when your uh, estrogen levels start to decline is that your body doesn't respond in the same way to insulin. Uh, so it's kind of like the key doesn't work in the same way. Uh, and this can lead uh, to insulin resistance. And the stage on from that is, is diabetes too. And it is, uh, it's an area that women need to be aware of when they go into perimenopause, you know, just paying a bit more attention to blood sugar and, and what they eat because this you talk about your ladies that, that crave sugar this is all you know the higher blood sugar levels you know it's you go what you can go onto like a roller coaster where your blood sugar's up you secrete insulin the insulin isn't getting the sugar into the cells and you know your blood sugar is going up, up and up, and you'll get all various different symptoms. So it's really important that you think about blood sugar and what 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 you eat. Uh, and again, stay away from the sugary uh, refined things. And I think another thing, especially what you were saying about your ladies, that they crave things. A lot of the time, we don't eat enough fat, mm. and fat really helps to satisfy the body. Uh, like healthy fats like your nuts and your seeds and everything 
So I would say to people, when you're craving something sweet, just try eating some nut butter with a piece of apple or, or some sort of fat, because that really helps to curb the um, that cravings and, and response that you want something sugary. And another thing that estrogen do, does, which is quite interesting, is that it affects our hunger hormones. Um, research has shown that estrogen has like um, a suppressive effect on hunger. So, you know, it stops us eating too much. But when our estrogen levels do, it can have an effect on our uh, leptin and ghrelin. Which are, uh, ghrelin is the, the hormone that makes you, like, tells your body to go and eat because you're hungry. And leptin is the, the hormone that really uh, tells your body, okay, you've eaten enough now, you can stop eating. It's like your satiety hormone. And it, when, in, uh, when estrogen declines, it can start playing around with these hormones. Mm. So all of a sudden, you know, the leptin doesn't work like it should. And you haven't got that kind of cut off that no, you don't need to eat anymore. I'm satisfied. So you can just carry on eating and craving uh, these things it, it, because of the lower estrogen levels. Yeah. So that there's, there's quite a lot of biochemistry behind why you have these, these uh, cravings really in, in menopause. Yeah, well, and I love that you bring that up because I recommend, and again, every client is totally different. Um, <clears throat> so as like, I'm going to say a standard or a generalization, I love the Mediterranean diet for women who are peri and menopausal because of, like you said, the high fat content and it's giving you the nutrients that you need to support your hormones during that time. Now, you know, if they're suffering from something like candida or SIBO or, you know, something like that, like it might have to change a little bit, but, um, you know, the Mediterranean diet is, is a great place to look. And I think it's often overlooked. I think we want to go towards like a keto diet or a low carb diet. And I think, not that those things are bad. They're just not my favorite. Um, I feel like Mediterranean is more nutrient dense. I guess I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And it's also, I think it, it's, it's like pretty easy to do, isn't it? There's no like fast rules that you have. I'm very much into, you know, realistic things that you can do every day. And, and the Mediterranean diet is it's very easy to follow. And there is a lot of research about the meditation saying how good it is for so many different uh, health conditions. So, you know, it is backed up by science as well. And and it's easy to follow. Yeah. I will say one of the hard things, um, and, and maybe you living in a different part of the world, but I feel like here in the States, a lot of women are like, I don't like fish. Do you guys have that there, like in Sweden and and the UK and stuff? No, that's that's really interesting because no, I don't really. I mean, occasionally I'll have the odd client, but it's very very rare. I mean, I live in uh, Sweden where you know we've got all the wonderful herring and all you know the the oily fish, the mackerel and the herring, and I think the Swedish population is actually brought up on fish. So everybody eats it. It's, it's quite rare that people don't. Um, but yeah, now that must be quite tricky then with clients if they don't eat any fish. 
Yeah, I hear, I have a, um, so typically I work with people online. Occasionally I have people in my area, especially like now that COVID is kind of lifted and stuff. Um, before I brought my business online, I was doing in-person and anyways, long story short, I had a, a client over here the other day and she's like, I, I don't eat anything fish. I'm not eating fish. And I'm like, oh man, like, what about salmon? What about, you know, like I'm trying to think of all all of these different things. What if we try to cook it a little bit different? Maybe, maybe we put it in a fish taco, like, you know, like how can we, how can we at least try to get this? And she's, um, she's actually a friend and uh, I mean, she would not do sushi. Like we had to drag her, you know, to, <laughs> to go to, to have sushi and stuff. So, um, I was just curious if you guys experienced that. Um, yeah. No, 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 I can't say fish is, I think most people eat fish here. Absolutely. Because I think it's like, I think it's really the fact that it's so, there's so much of it here and it's just delicious. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I didn't really grow up on salmon or salmon. I didn't really grow up on a lot of fish, maybe a little bit. Um, but I grew up eating a wide variety of food. Like my dad hunted and I remember <laughs> like, it sounds so weird because in the States, this is just not, I guess, normal, but I remember eating like deer heart and, you know, uh, like liver and organs and things like that, where most people here in the States do not do things like that. So <laughs> Yeah, but that's so nutritious, isn't it? All the, the heart and the liver and offal and, you know, that this, the li liver is a fantastic nutrient, but we we don't really eat that. I, I can always remember my grandmother making, she used to cook liver in, in the oven with onions and everything, and it was delicious. But it's really become, in Europe now, people don't really eat that much liver anymore. It's, it's, people don't like it. Which is a shame because it's so nutrient dense. Yes. Yeah. And that's typically here in the U.S. too. I don't think I've ever made liver. We've been married 13 years. Um, I've never made it, but I do take it in a capsule form. So, <laughs> you know, do what you can. Um, okay. Let's kind of move on. So why is hypothyroid symptoms often mistaken? as um, menopausal symptoms yeah the, I mean hypothyroidism symptoms are very similar to perimenopausal symptoms um, and when women come into perimenopause for example the the symptoms that are very similar is uh, weight gain which you can have with perimenopause and, and hypothyroidism uh, brain like forgetfulness like what we call brain fog that's a real common uh, condition with perimenopause and, and also that is is happens with hypothyroidism and like aches and pains you just feel like your muscles are aching your joints are aching that's a very similar um, symptom dry skin is 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 something that happens in both those uh, areas uh, anxiety you know, mood swings, they're, they're the real areas that 
that we see with that are very very similar um, so what happens is when we come the average age of perimenopause is 45 however people you know you can it's that's average you can it can happen when you're 40 uh, or it can happen later but on average 45 you know you kind of glide into perimenopause and a lot of women are they're normally very stressed they've got a career they've got uh, maybe small children at home they've got pe parents maybe that need some more looking after and they just kind of go along and think oh this is just to do with my lifestyle and maybe I'm peri perimenopausal but they don't ever think that it could actually be thyroid issues so it really goes undiagnosed and as we get older that like the aging process um in in women we do become you know that we become more uh our thyroid or, or like i say hyperthyroidism becomes more prevalent as we get older in women i mean in general women suffer from thyroid issues more than men um but there's a lot of perimenopausal and menopausal women that are undiagnosed and have thyroid disease because of these symptoms that are so close to menopause that 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 we don't think that it could be something else yeah i think at least here in the states i think it's oh you're you know 45 this is totally normal what are your thoughts about these symptoms and menopause being I, I'm using air quotes here, normal. <laughs> Do you think that that has to be the way that everybody goes through menopause or tell me a little bit about your beliefs? Yeah. Uh, um, the, I mean, there's, there, there's up to like, I think 40 different menopausal symptoms. So it's very different for every woman. Some women just glide through menopause and don't really have any problems at all. And then some women it's really, really tough for, um, so, you know, I try to, when I, when I work with clients, I really try to talk to them and understand, you know, is this to do with menopause or is it to do with your stress and your lifestyle and the fact that you never have any time, self-care time um, and, and the diet that you're eating? Because you can't blame everything on perimenopause. You know, a lot of it can be lifestyle factors, Um that are causing these these problems so it isn't always the the hormones that are the issue it, it can be the fact that this person is so stressed and maybe not having enough time to cook and and, and you know nutrient dense foods themselves so it's really getting to the bottom of it and, and finding out is it menopause that that is the problem or is it your lifestyle or is it the thyroid issue or of course it can be a combination of all three uh, but i mean I if people are suffering from these sort of symptoms I would always test just to check that the thyroid you know is working as it should rather than just guessing yeah yeah I I totally agree there um I was just curious I I feel like at least in the states we have normalized a lot of these symptoms like you were kind of saying, oh, it's totally normal to be tired. Oh yeah, it's normal to gain 15 pounds when you're going through menopause. Yeah, it's totally normal. And I'm like, but I look at, I always use my husband's grandma as an example. She's going to be 99 in like a month. So in April, at the end of, towards the end of April. And 
<coughs> she's super healthy. I mean, she lives alone. She golfs, she walks, she takes care of herself. You know, she eats very nutrient dense foods. I mean, you go to her house and she's eating, you know, fruits and vegetables and not a lot of processed foods. Um, we do joke, I joke at least because grandma Lou owned a Coca-Cola plant way back in the day. And she was like the, her family, her husband and her were like the, they owned a, what was it? Like a manufacturing and a distribution center for the Western U S. And so it was very big and grandma still has a Coke every single day. And I'm like, if grandma Lou can be 99 and have a Coke, I can have one every once in a while too. (laughs) You know, no, she sounds amazing. She sounds like a fantastic lady. She, she is. And, you know, she's very active in all of her grandkids and great grandkids lives. And, um, you know, so anyways, like, yes, lifestyle, yes, it can be normal. But I also look at people like her and think, when we're doing the right things and we're taking care of our body and we understand how our body works, it shouldn't be hard, right? Grandma Lou is very fit. She's very active. So anyways. Yeah, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be difficult. It should, you know, when you, when you feel great and you've got good health, that, you know, there's nothing better, is there? Right. But it, you shouldn't accept it's not okay to feel tired all the time and, you know, they, that isn't how you should feel. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's not the norm. You know that there is something going on that that needs to be sorted out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's kind of wrap things up here. Um, let's quickly talk about stress management um, and how can that positively or I guess negatively affect the thyroid um, gland. Yeah, stress, that, that's such a huge uh, area, isn't it? And it, it is a big player in all aspects of perimenopausal health and, and thyroid health because of the, the stress hormones, especially cortisol, you know, which is released when we're stressed. And so many people in society now are suffering from chronic stress because of our lifestyles and you know, we feel that we, we should be doing this, we should be doing that, you know, you're stuck in traffic. It's, it's You're constantly releasing this stress hormone, which has many uh, detrimental effects on, on the body, in, including the thyroid gland, because it can actually uh, interfere with the production of, of um, T3 and T4 thyroid hormones. And it can also uh, affect our blood sugar levels. You know, going back to blood sugar, um, cortisol it's it's there you know we needed that to be able to escape from danger you know running across the tundra from a tiger but you know now we don't have that sort of danger it's it's just this chronic uh stress that we have in our everyday lives and that the release of cortisol has many uh different effects on the body it causes inflammation it causes high uh blood sugar levels uh, it, it interferes with the thyroid gland, the production of, of thyroid hormones and also thyroid stimulating hormone. Um, and it's a, what we call a fat storing hormone. You know, a lot of ladies, when they come into perimenopause, all of a sudden you you kind of get this shift. Your, your weight, you, you, were, you maybe were a pear shape before 
and, and in perimenopause all of a sudden you become more of an apple shape you get all the the weight <clears throat> around the middle area and cortisol is a fat storing hormone so if you've got constantly got high cortisol levels due to stress you will actually find it very hard to to shift any weight um so it's that stress is so it's so important to manage stress to relieve menopausal symptoms you know and give the thyroid gland you know time to to work as it should um and i always say to my clients with stress is that find something that works for you because if i say to people okay i want you to go and do an hour's meditation i want you to go to yoga every day that just becomes like a stress but it's an adding on to their to-do list that they're never going to do so just finding something that works even just sitting down with a cup of tea and just staring out of the window for five minutes or or just going for a walk uh, breathing exercises I'm, I'm a huge fan of you know just breathing when you when you feel a bit anxious or stressed just take a few deep breaths of course yoga meditation are, are fantastic if you if you can do that and you, and you have time really prioritizing yourself and and allowing time to do the things that you enjoy doing reading a book or and I think it's also important to say that we all have a to-do list, don't we? That, that yes. long <laughs> list. But it is actually never going to be done. You know, we think, oh, okay, well, when I've done my to-do list, that, that's when I can oh, relax and, you know, do what I want and have time for myself. But it is actually never going to be done, that to-do list. So prioritise yourself and actually allow yourself things that de-stress you and, and make you happy. I tend to, what, what I've start because I, I like to practice what I preach so I've actually tried to have Sundays now as, as a day with no, no technology day just to do nice things spend time with your family maybe do some cooking and just really kind of relax and I, I find that is very helpful actually just to allow yourself to have one day to switch off yeah yeah I totally agree and I know when I first started my business I was like seven days a week. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's push. And I finally got to the point where I'm like, I have to say no, I have to like unplug. And I now tell my clients, I'm like, Friday, if you get an answer from me, feel blessed and lucky and be happy about it because Friday is kind of my, let's get caught up and ready for the weekend. Um, and my kids are also all off of school. So they only go to school Monday through Thursday. So I have my kids home and sometimes I can fit it in. And sometimes I can't because we have doctor's appointments and piano and horseback and all of the things that we do Friday during the day so that we can have the family time at, at night. And I think learning to manage your stress is super important. And I, I have to say this because it, I feel like it's so funny, <laughs> I was so stressed out. I had three kids, five and under. Maybe it was around, actually, so my six-year-old, she was six and my baby was like a year old. And I went into the doctor and he was like, and you should hire a housekeeper and get a nanny and, you know, go dancing with your husband every week. And I'm looking at him like, and who's going to pay for all of that? Like, you know, like that might be you know, fine for you, but one, how am I going to find a babysitter and pay for it? And two, 
a nanny and a housekeeper, all of that sounds great, but uh, that's why I'm a stay-at-home mom, you know. (laughs) So I mean, in in an ideal world, that that sounds great, doesn't it? But like you say, somebody's got to pay for all that, and you know, it has to be realistic. (laughs) Yeah, and I, I think it maybe would have been a little more realistic, but I was so I was so worried and stressed out about like who do I trust with my kids? And I don't want to, and I have, you know, my in-laws are close. My, my mom is close. Like I have plenty of people who are happy and willing to help me. But at the time I felt like asking them to babysit my kids was an inconvenience for them. Right. Or it could have been. And I mean, this has been several years now, but I was like, I'm stressed out. I'm overwhelmed with the three of them. I can't put that on anybody else, you know? So I like going back to your point, it's very important to find what works for you and realizing it's okay to get help. If, if, if you're in that place, I mean, so your women are a little bit older or I guess menopause. So we have like teenagers, we have maybe early adults. Um, and their needs are very different. They need you more emotional versus needing help going to the bathroom and things like that. And a lot of them are, a lot of the women you work with, I'm sure are working too. So they've got a career, they've got the demands of keeping up with a household and teenage kids, early adults, planning mar- uh, weddings and college and all of the things. So it's a different level of stress but I guess my point is it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to say no. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of that. It's actually okay to say no rather than just saying yes. And I found as I, I mean, I'm in perimenopause myself and I found as I got older that I actually found it easier to say no. And and, obviously in a nice way. And and, the response that you get from people when you say no is that they're perfectly okay with it it's like okay no, no not to worry maybe next time but you know you don't have to be worried about upsetting people I think mm-hmm. people have re- respect if you say you know no I'm, I, I can't do that or you know I don't want to do that it's okay to say no yes yeah when I'm what I started to do again when I was like way stressed out and I was kind of overbooking myself and I mean there was day multiple days that happened all the time where I would have like three things that I was supposed to be doing all at the exact same time and I'm like how did I say yes to everything so then that day or the night before I'm like okay I'm gonna drop this one off early and I can do this and I can do that and like I'm trying to figure out how to be all of the things that at the same time and one of my biggest strategies was let me check my schedule and I'll get back to you because it was a way to say, like, I don't know yet <laughs> in a nice way. And I, I would, right? I think if you say that, you can't just leave people hanging. You need to follow through and let them know. But it gave me a minute to like step back and say, okay, can I really do this for the other person in a way that is not going to feel overwhelming, not going to be, not cause stress for me, you know, and be supportive to me and my family, <laughs> you know? Um, without, I don't know, cause I was, I needed that transition of just always being a yes person to being able to become someone to say no. 
so yeah that's true I think that's what I've become because I was very very yes yeah and I still am yes but I say no more often <laughs> yeah yeah I mean absolutely I say yes to a lot of things um yeah. and sometimes it's I can't do it today but I can do it on Friday you know yeah so yes all right you guys if you enjoyed today's episode with Allison um, I will let her tell you where you can find her, where you can contact her, um, and all of those things. So where can, where can people get a hold of you, Allison? Yeah, thank you, uh, Shannon. The, I think the easiest place to get hold of me is on my website, and that is www.allisonblad. It's a bit of a funny spelling. It's B-L-A-D-H.com. Um, but on that website, there's lots of lovely free downloads and eBooks and uh, different meal plans that can help you I was like to say can help you boost your sparkle during uh, perimenopause uh, and then on Instagram I'm uh, at Alison Blard and I have a, a very active uh, Twitter account it's like a, a, a hub for, for menopausal women and that's called the pink tea room so they're, they're the best places but please get in touch if you need any more information or anything I'd be more than happy to answer any questions yeah, absolutely. And um, we will link all of this up in the show notes. I know you have an Instagram and LinkedIn and all of those different things. So there's lots of places you guys can check her out and just see what what she has to offer you. Any last thoughts you want to share? Yeah, I think I was like, and this actually goes in nice with what we were talking about before. But, the, you know, the one thing that I always say to you is a secret to health or a healthy life is finding the right balance in everything that you do. So it's all about balance. And the, the four things that you should focus on is sleep, stress management, movement, and nutritious foods. I would have to agree with all of those. And I love that you said sleep first. <laughs> Yeah, we did have time to talk about sleep, did we? But that is another key player in, in everything that we've spoken about, really. Yes. Yeah. It, uh, that could be like a whole other podcast. Yeah, it um, could, yeah. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for being here. And we'll see you on the next. Wait before you go. Please subscribe. If you found value in today's episode, leave us a review and share on Instagram. And please tag us. We love your reviews. Pretty please.